Welcome everyone to the Melanin Initiative. I am Alicia Brown and one of your co-hosts for the Melanin Initiative podcast. In healthcare, there's often too much information and not enough time. Here at the Melanin Initiative, we avoid TMI by breaking things down into language you can understand. We create a safe space to ask your questions and share our nursing perspective without taking up too much of your time. Today, we'll be talking about anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation with our favorite trauma therapist, Kelsey Wilson. Our third co-host, Kimberly, couldn't be here with us today, but she sends her love. By the end of the episode, it's our goal you'll be able to define anxiety and depression, identify signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression, discuss common causes of anxiety and depression, as well as risk factors, define suicidal ideation, Discuss what to do if you're experiencing thoughts of suicide. Discuss what to do if someone you know is experiencing thoughts of suicide. And treatment options for anxiety, depression, and suicide, including herbals and complementary medicine. As you know, this show is for educational purposes only. The opinions expressed are our opinions alone. They are not representations of any of our affiliations. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, you should seek medical attention and guidance from your healthcare provider. If you're having a physical emergency, you can call 911. And if you're having a mental health emergency, you can call 988. Thank you, Alicia. So for those um, listeners um, not familiar with you, Kelsey, share a brief summary of what you do and what a visit with you is like. Yes. Thank you so much for having me back on. Um, Like you said, my name is Kelsey Wilson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I have a online private practice for individuals who are interested in telehealth. Um, I serve mostly adults um, who are experiencing anxiety, depression, life transition issues, um, and trauma. Um, And All of my clients who come to see me will do an intake assessment with me. um, And then after that, we'll have about 50, 55 minute sessions where we really get into the root cause of why they came in um, to work with me. Um, They'll have a treatment plan and we'll be able to really identify what are some key things that they want to work on and um, work on that over the course of time. I see clients on a short term basis and a long term basis, depending on the complexity of the issue. All right. And if you guys haven't already, be sure to check out other episodes with Kelsey. Um, Check out our Juneteenth special focused on intergenerational trauma, as well as our episode on navigating the holidays with family. So we'll dive right in. Um, Kelsey, can you define anxiety and depression? Definitely. So I want to start out by saying that Oftentimes, individuals will experience anxiety or depression at at some point in their lives, Um, but there's a difference between experiencing that um, on a a short-term basis and having a clinical diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder or major depressive disorder. Um, So generalized anxiety disorder is persistent, excessive worry about a number of different things. Um, People with generalized anxiety disorder may think that a disaster is going to happen or may be overly concerned um, about their finances, their health, family, work, other issues, um, and find it difficult to control their worry for six months or longer. Um, And it really has an impact on their day-to-day. So very different from major depressive disorder, but I often want to say, I want to say that um, sometimes people experience both generalized anxiety disorder and depression together, which is co-occurring. So kind of going specifically into major depressive disorder, it's a persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities causing significant impairment in daily life um, for 
two weeks or, or longer. Um, and sometimes people have major depression, uh, major depression throughout their lives. Um, and so treatment, which we're going to get into today, can really be a big help in managing depression. And I like how you said that situ- like it, it can be situational or it can be if it's long, you know, if it's something that's going on for a long time, then it's more than likely generalized. Because um, I know myself when I was in school, definitely had situational anxiety and a little bit of situational depression when I failed an exam or something like that. But because um, some people can walk around thinking that they have anxiety and they need to be on anxiety medication when it might just be something that's happening currently in their life, that stressor. And if once that stressor is removed, they're fine. Um, So that's a very good point that you made there. Yeah. Just to piggyback off of both of you, I think it's important to know that anxiety and depression, um, they're normal feelings, you know, like it's okay to be anxious in certain situations and it's Mm -hmm. okay to be depressed sometimes, you know, life hands us a lot of things and how we deal with them and cope with them affects, you know, our, our anxiety and our depression. So I just love how you defined for our audience that you can feel anxious and um, you can be depressed and it may not necessarily mean there's a clinical diagnosis behind it, but even if, even if there is, you know, what we'll share today is there are some ways to kind of work through those things. Mm-hmm. So with uh, that being said, what are some common signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression? Definitely. So for depression, someone might be experiencing difficulty getting out of bed, weight gain or loss, um, lack of pleasure in doing things that they used to enjoy, um, might be experiencing crying spells or irritability or lack of energy. Um, And sometimes it can be hard to detect. Um, Others might notice it before you do. And so that's where having a support network can really come into play who can help you get the help that you need if you do need a push to kind of get into therapy or um, maybe see a doctor who can help you with prescribing a medication um, that we'll kind of get into later um, that could help with depression. Um, and then in terms of anxiety, some of the signs and symptoms might be excessive worry, intrusive thoughts, difficulty sleeping due to overthinking, um, negative impacts on your diet because you're you're worrying um, or not feeling up to cooking, things like that, um, restlessness, um, difficulty concentrating, um, all these things can really play a role in health. And you all are nurses, so you kind of know that when we don't take care of our mental health, it can impact our physical health. I was just going to say that, you know, as you were talking, um, it took me back to my bedside days. And I think of that older gentleman that has come in and his feet are swollen. And, you know, we're giving him all this medication, maybe some um, diuretics to help get fluid off of him. And then he comes back in two weeks later with the same issue. But then as we get to know him and his, maybe his, his daughter shows up, who's his support person, and we realize he just lost his wife of 50 years, right? So we're thinking maybe he's just not being compliant right here to his medication regimen, when in reality, there's some mental health stuff going on in his life. You know, maybe depression, maybe anxiety of being alone for the first time in 50 years, right? So there's really nothing that we're going to say or do to tell him to take that medicine that's going to change until we actually address the mental health concern, right? So as you were talking, that just brought me back. And that's just one example of many that we see where mental health has played a role in the individual's physical recovery. Yeah. Great, great point, Alicia. Great point. 
um, to something that I've also seen because you and I, we work that side <laughs> together. Um, so we probably had that same patient. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that we commonly, although we get a lot of um, patients that come in for medical reasons, Oftentimes, there is a uh, mental health component uh, associated with their um, disease and illness. So it's always important for us to kind of like take a step back and not just solely focus on the physical. Yes, the physical is super important, but we also have to focus on their mental health because they go hand in hand um, for sure. So what are common signs or common causes, I'm sorry, of anxiety and depression as well as risk factors? Yes. So um I think we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that there's it's twofold. So it can be um, biological, like sometimes mm-hmm. anxiety and depression can run in families. So there's mm-hmm. the biological component. And then there's also situational stressors and environmental reasons why someone might um, develop anxiety, depression, whether that be like stressors or trauma that happened when they were a kid that maybe caused them to feel depressed or feel anxious, or they went through something later in life that caused them to feel anxious or depressed. Um, so there's the biological component and then the life stressors that can kind of contribute to um, anxiety and depression. And, you know, um, talking here with you ladies, made me think about, you know, Oftentimes in the African-American community, we don't talk about our mental health struggles. We don't talk about anxiety and depression. And um, if there was something in our biology from generations before, um, we we may not know because we just don't talk about it. Right. So it's important for us to talk to our families about what we're experiencing um, even just from a biological perspective, it, you know, just so we can kind of prepare ourselves if we're feeling some type of ways to know that like, okay, my mom suffered from depression, her mom suffered from depression, my sister suffers from depression, you know, we can kind of get on top of it. But uh, we got to start having those conversations in our in our own families. I agree 100%. And that's one of the things that I do with my clients. I'll ask them if they have a history of uh, mental health concerns. And sometimes if their family has never gone to see a therapist or um, gotten a formal diagnosis, I'll ask them another question, which is, well, what did you notice? Did you notice any anxiety in your family or did you notice any sadness? And then when you start to ask those questions a little bit differently, then you can find out, okay, so there might have been some anxiety and depression just undiagnosed in the past. Mm-hmm. Are, so now switching gears to uh, discussing suicidal ideation, Are you, um, Kelsey, please dis- define suicidal ideation. And for our audience, we know this can be a tough subject. So if at any point you feel like you need to take a break, it's definitely okay to do so. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Alicia. Um, so suicidal ideation um, is thoughts of ending your life. Um, and so Sometimes that can go hand in hand with depression if it's left untreated. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I always assess is if someone is experiencing suicidal ideation, uh, we do a risk assessment where we ask a question of, um, do you currently have thoughts of ending your life? Um, Is there intent to act on those thoughts? Is there a plan? And does that person have means to do so? Um, And if that is the case, then there are options. And I'm so glad that you mentioned 998 as a resource because that is um, a crisis line that you can call um, if you are experiencing suicidal ideation um, or if you need to be connected to mental health resources um, as well. And I'm sure we'll leave some mental health resources as well that people can check out um, at the end of the show if if that's something that you need. 
I'm going to add that on the inpatient, so say you go to the hospital for any reason, during our intake assessment, we always ask questions about, you know, are you um, experiencing any mental health emergencies? Do you feel like you want to harm yourself? Do you feel as if you want to harm others? Those are always things that we're interested in, even if what you're coming into the hospital for is not related to anything mental health. But it's a very serious thing, and we want to be able to support you um, when needed. So those are typically going to be questions asked of you, even if what you're coming in for isn't related to a mental health emergency. Geraldine, in the outpatient setting, what does that look like for you all? It's pretty similar. Oftentimes people are coming in for medical um, medical reasons, but based on like our conversations that we're having, sometimes you can kind of pick up that the patient may be experiencing depression or anxiety or thoughts of suicide. So it just depends on the conversation that I have with the patient. Like Kelsey mentioned, we always ask, you know, the thoughts that they're having, if they have a plan, if they uh, intend to act on that plan. And based on their response and that risk assessment, we determine next steps. If the patient does in fact have a plan or, you know, we're concerned for their safety, we uh, contact 911 to get them to the hospital um, for their safety and for the safety of others, just to ensure that they don't harm themselves. That's a good point. So something similar happens in the hospital. So if you express, you know, at any point that you are feeling suicidal, we're going to automatically get our psychiatry team on board. They're going to come in and have an interview with you just to see, you know, how they can support you best. And then from a clinical side, we're also going to assign you what we call a sitter or an observation attendant to be there and also just make sure that you remain safe at all times. Because once again, it's about you and your support, and we don't want you to be by yourself or alone ever in those kinds of situations. So Kelsey, what can people do if they think they are experiencing thoughts of suicide? Definitely. So connecting with a therapist to develop strategies to manage suicidal ideation is one great plan. Um, Connecting with a prescriber such as a psychiatrist, um, psychiatric nurse practitioner, or if you're already connected to a primary care doctor um, who can prescribe you an antidepressant to help assist you with um, the depressive thoughts and the suicidal thoughts, that's also something that you can consider. I would say, you know, also really reflecting with yourself and thinking about the level of care that you might want. Um, Do you want to see a prescriber? I mean, do you want to see a prescriber or a therapist via telehealth? Or do you want to have the option to go in person and meet with someone um, if you feel like that's something that you need? Um, And we already mentioned 988 as an option, as well as going to your local emergency room if uh, you do have intent, a plan, and uh, you have means to act on it on that day. And I would say there, there are definitely voluntary um, admissions to psychiatric help. And then there are some situations where maybe someone around you notices that you're um, that you need some support and they may call for help. And then it may be an involuntary admission to a psychiatric help facility. But um, all of it is to help support you and get you the help that you need. So along those same lines, what can people what can people do if someone they know is experiencing thoughts of suicide but not themselves Yes. So really being a support for that person, asking them those three questions that we just talked about, like, do you have a plan, um, intention, and means to to follow through with it? Because those are questions when you do call to get them help that they, they're going to ask you. Um, and if you don't have all the answers to the questions and you still want to get your friend or someone you know help, I would say, please do that. Um, but it would be good if you could have that information um, readily available to offer to um, 
the representative that you're speaking to on the phone. Um, also driving them to the hospital is also very helpful um, if that is a concern um, about them getting there. Absolutely. And Kelsey, can you uh, discuss treatment options for anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation? Definitely. So um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications um, would be options that you can explore through a prescriber. Support groups, um, individual therapy are great options, as well as researching um, information about depression can really be helpful because, you know, we're here to talk about making sure that people are informed. And so sometimes when you get that knowledge, it gives you the boost that you need to, to seek treatment. So um, those are great options. That's a great, great point. As far as um, treatment options, since I work in like the primary healthcare setting, although I'm not a psychiatric nurse practitioner, um, I am familiar with some of the medications that uh, patients are usually prescribed. A common uh, class of medications is SSRIs, and that includes medications like uh, Zoloft, and feel free to uh, chime in, Alicia, if you, uh, but like Zoloft and Prozac. And I want to make a point that a lot of times you're started on these medications and you may experience unpleasant side effects. It's super, super important to talk to your prescribing um, provider so that they can either switch it to something else, um, to a different type of medication that may not uh, cause um, those unpleasant side effects. So being transparent and communicating is a big, big part of um, uh, your treatment as when it comes to um, anxiety and depression medication, I also want to make a note that it usually when you start taking uh, depression medication, sometimes it takes a little bit uh, of time for it to kick in. People like to see immediate results. It can take up to four weeks for it to four to six weeks for you to really see full effects of the medication. So um, if you are started on uh, depression medication, don't stop just because you're not seeing any results within the first couple of days. Right. And on the inpatient side, we can give you medicine to kind of help calm you down immediately, but those aren't sustainable um, options. So we wouldn't give that to you to go home with. So as Geraldine said, those um, pills that you would take, um, they take some time to, to take effect. So it's important, as like Kelsey has stated, to do some additional therapies Um, If you have access to them, that meditation or going to talk to a therapist, a lot of this, a lot of the treatment um, works best when in conjunction, you know, you shouldn't, you know, it's one thing to take medicine or just do therapy or just do medicine, you know, doing it all together in a very holistic approach and patient centered focus um, will probably be the best. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to add that when I do uh, connect with clients, if we have a conversation and starting medication is something that they're interested in doing, I do make sure that I take into account, you know, if they want an in-network prescriber or if they want to talk with their primary care doctor about that. And I also assist with helping them find a prescriber that feels comfortable for them um, because it's really important. So thank you both. Yeah. I think it's important to know that the treatment really is how what you want of it, right? So if you are not interested in medicine or uh, medications, we got to find the right, you know, um, non-medication therapy that's going to work for you. Or if you're interested in medication, we have to find the right medication that works for you. But uh, it's just important that the treatment works for you. Like it has to work for you because if it's not working for you, we got to find something else. So communication is key here. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So today we um, define anxiety and depression and um, definitely discussed a lot related to anxiety and depression. Um, we discussed the signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression, as well as the common causes and risk factors associated with the two. Um, we defined suicidal ideation and discuss what to do if you or someone you know um, is experiencing thoughts of suicide, as well as um, we also discuss treatment options for anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. Kelsey, please share with the listeners how they can connect with you. Definitely. Please do um, follow me on my website, KelseyWPLLC.com, um, or you can follow me on Instagram, um, Kelsey Wilson PLLC um, at my handle, um, and I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for joining us today. Once again, if you're having a mental health emergency, you can call 988. For more information about the Melanin Initiative, you can email us your questions or show ideas at tmi.melanin at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Please share the show with your friends, rate and review um, us on the Apple and Spotify podcast, and leave a comment as this really helps the show get more support and gets the message uh, across to those who need it. You can find our social media links and a list of resources related to our conversation today in the description box. We release a new show weekly on TMI Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on YouTube and all of your favorite podcast apps. Follow, like, and share our content with all of your friends. Thank you for watching. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we didn't give you too much information. Join us next Tuesday at 10 for a new episode of the Melanin Initiative.